Thank you, Pam. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter number 39. While I'm thinking about it, and I have to do things when I think about it, because if I don't, I don't remember doing them at all. Sherry, you asked me a question this morning about a scripture. And I told you that it was chapter 11, verse 25. It's chapter 10, verse 25. I was close. I'm so glad to see you here this evening. It's an encouragement uh, for you to be here. Actually, a bigger crowd than I actually anticipated. I'm going to have to quit making things so easy for you, though, because I've got it where you go to Genesis on Sunday night and Matthew on Sunday morning. It's just getting too easy for you to know where to go. So when we finish... Uh, Genesis, and we're going to mix things up a little bit. I'm going to, unless the Lord changes my heart, I'm going to do a little 10 or 12 week series on what we believe. And so you might actually have to turn in your Bible. Tonight we're going to be dealing with disappointment. I read a modern equivalent of the story that we're going to be studying tonight in the life of Joseph. A husband went out to his car one morning to start his car to go to work and discovered that it wouldn't start. He raised the hood and discovered that his battery had been stolen. In the place of his battery was a note. And the note said, I'm sorry I had to take your battery, but it was an emergency. I had to get to the hospital. I'll return your battery as soon as I can. Well, a little bit later, sure enough, the battery was returned, and there was another note. It said, thank you so much for the use of the battery. To express our appreciation and to make up for the inconvenience we have caused you, here are two tickets to the Dallas Cowboy game coming this Sunday. Well, a couple were ecstatic because they were Dallas Cowboy fans, and they were thrilled at the opportunity to go to the game. That was a rather wonderful turn of events. But when they returned from the game, they discovered to their dismay that their apartment had been cleaned out. The football tickets had simply been a trick to get them out of the house. Well, it must have felt something like that for Joseph. For the last several weeks, we have been engaged in looking at his life we have looked at the fact that he's from a classic dysfunctional family. Joseph had three stepmothers and six stepbrothers, and they were all living in the house at the same time. Joseph is his father's favorite child, and his father was unwise enough to openly dismay that favoritism and the presence of his brothers. And the result was that his brothers grew jealous, and they grew to hate him, his brother's scheme until the opportunity presents herself to sell their brother Joseph into slavery in Egypt. At the same time, they convince their father that he's been killed by wild animals. One minute, he's a 17-year-old young boy with all of life ahead of him, and the next minute, he's a slave whose only prospect is a life of drudgery. In Egypt, once he arrived, Joseph is bought by a man named Potiphar. 
we're going to discover that it'll be 13 years from the time that he is sold into slavery until the time he goes into the king's household. So part of that time is spent in Potiphar's house. Part of that time is spent in slavery, but we don't, in prison, but we really don't know how many. Now the years have passed since Joseph's been sold into slavery. He's worked his way up into a position of responsibility as the head of Potiphar's household. In the course of time, Potiphar's wife decides that she wants a, a relationship with Joseph and she pre begins to pursue him. Ultimately, the matter came to a head when she actually grabbed a hold of Joseph and demanded that he have a relationship with her. When Joseph refused and fled from her presence, leaving the cloak in her hand, she became angry and she decided to protect herself by accusing her, accusing Joseph to her husband. Not only <clears throat> protecting herself, but also getting revenge against Joseph at the same time. She began to scream. She screamed that Joseph had assaulted her. And after all, here was the, his cloak in her hand. And when he, became, when he became aware of that, he cast Joseph into prison. Now, Joseph is unjustly imprisoned. In fact, he is imprisoned not for doing the wrong thing, but for refusing to do the wrong thing. He was imprisoned for doing the right thing. It would have been easy, perhaps, at that point to give in to despair. And I want us to look at the story of Joseph this evening to see the principles of why we shouldn't give in to disappointment and despair using his example. One of the things that we have to keep in mind as we examine Joseph's life is that God is not as much interested in our circumstances as he is our responses to our circumstances. This evening, when we want to see how Joseph handles the disappointments of his life, we want to look at his ability to live in undeserved and unpleasant circumstances and to do so with faith and hope and see what enabled him to live <clears throat> through these circumstances because it proved to be the means by which God brought about his release and his rise in power to the second highest office in the land of Egypt. Three principles for overcoming disappointment. They should be on the back of your outline from this morning if you care to look at that. First, Joseph knew that God had not and would not forsake him. In verse 20 of chapter 39, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison commit, uh, committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, Whatever that did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now that Joseph is in prison, we learn that although Joseph did not deserve to be in prison, 
He did, however, respond in an extraordinary fashion. What is important was the way in which his character grew during this imprisonment. In similar circumstances, another person might have been become harsh, bitter, withdrawn. Not Joseph. Prison actually strengthened Joseph's character. Psalm 105 and verse 18 refers to Joseph's imprisonment. It says, They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. An iron collar was around his neck and a chain around his ankles, which scraped the skin and must have been difficult to even sleep. There's an interesting alternative translation of this verse found in the Amplified Bible. It says, and his soul entered into iron. If you turn that phrase around, it is an iron entered into his soul. That would seem to indicate that there was, that more than physical imprisonment, this was a time of maturing spiritually for Joseph. The great apologist C.S. Lewis wrote a book entitled The Problem of Pain. In that book, he said, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. We have two choices. We can become bitter and disillusioned, or we can use our difficulties as a means of displaying our hope and trust in God. Earlier in Genesis chapter 39, we, we read the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. In the verses that we've just read, although the circumstances have changed, that truth still remains the same. Where is God when Joseph is thrown into the dungeon? Does his silence mean that he is absent? But we're really not left to wonder because in verse 23 it says, And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. The Lord was with Joseph in the palace of Potiphar, and when Joseph was cast into prison, the Lord was with him there too. The only thing that severs us from the presence of God is sin. False accusations put Joseph in prison, but it was the Lord who stayed near him and nurtured him and matured him. When we are trapped by difficult circumstances, the quickest and easiest and maybe the most natural response to us is that to feel like God has forgotten us. When fear threatens to overwhelm us, we really need to stop and remember that the Lord is still with us. There is no promise of Scripture that is more comforting than one that we find repeated three times in Scripture, twice in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. It is the promise, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. In spite of our feeling to the contrary, God uses painful experiences to mature us. And spiritual maturity is learning to walk by faith 
regardless of present circumstances. The tragedy of our day is that there are Christians who are teaching that if a Christian merely has enough faith, they will never suffer. They will never have to undergo any of those kind of experiences because they say that the death of Christ provides deliverance from all adversity and affliction. Had Joseph believed that, if he had believed that if he had only had enough faith, he would constant, he would be instantly delivered from prison. His faith would have been devastated when he found out that that was not true. In fact, his problems did not go away. The truth is that God is not obligated to make us wealthy, to make us free or trouble, or even to make us well-liked. God has promised to be with those who belong to him wherever they find themselves and to bring them to maturity. He does not promise to pamper us or to jump through our hoops. Secondly, Joseph saw every situation in life as a new avenue for service. Chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, came to pass after these things that the butler and baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And the Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, and so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them so that they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and in each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in the custody of his lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Well, eventually, Joseph was rewarded with a degree of freedom and unusual responsibility even in the prison itself. And because he wasn't taken over with resentment and bitterness, he became useful as an instrument of God even in the prison. We're talking about the king's baker and the king's butler. The word butler here really is describing a different office altogether. It is actually the king's cupbearer. These are two very important responsibilities. It's the king's cupbearer who was responsible for tasting all the king's food there was any poison in it he found it first died first therefore sparing the pharaoh and the king's baker we don't know the specifics of why they landed in prison what caused this falling out with the king because we're never really told but these are trusted officials of the Pharaoh's court, chief 
cupbearer was not only responsible for tasting the king's food and his drink, but he was also a trusted political advisor. He was a man who really determined who got to see the Pharaoh and who didn't. The baker, of course, had the responsibility of cooking all the food that the Pharaoh would eat. The text says, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. The word is literally he ministered to them. The word served is normally an expression used of menial service. Not just menial service, but of ministerial service. It's a remarkable how much interest Joseph took in these two men. Even to the point, and this is remarkable for any man, he noticed the expression on their face. He noticed that they were sad inquiring after their welfare and taking time to listen to their stories. Both the cupbearer and the baker had had dreams, and they were distressed because they didn't know the meaning of their dreams. And Joseph volunteered to interpret their dreams as God gave him insight. Now, it really is amazing that Joseph would want to have anything to do with dreams. Remember, it was his own dreams that got him in this fix in the first place. Even in the midst of his own adversity and difficulties, he reached out to help others. And ministering to the needs of others had two beneficial effects in the life of Joseph. First of all, it kept him from wallowing in self-pity. It kept him from having a, his own little pity party. The truth is that there is no relief for sorrow and sadness and discouragement like that of really reaching out to other people and ministering to them. If you can't do anything else, you can listen to people as they tell you about their difficulties and you can comfort them, as the New Testament describes, with the same comfort that God has given you. The second important thing about Joseph's service for others was that it was the very means that led to his ultimate deliverance. It may be that that act seems rather insignificant at the time, but it can be a turning point in life. His faithful service in the prison opened the door for greater ministry in the palace. The cupbearer shared his dream first, and you find it in verses 9 through 11. I'll give you a summary. He said he saw a vine, a vine with three branches that very quickly produced grapes. He saw himself squeezing the juice into Pharaoh's cup and serving him. Joseph then gives the interpretation of that dream in verses 12 and 13. Joseph told the cupbearer, that in three days he would be restored to his position. But then Joseph added a personal request, and this is an important thing, verse 14. only thing that Joseph asked at all about providing this service for them was this one request. He says, but remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Joseph simply requested to be remembered if his predictions were true. 
He said, in effect, that his ability to interpret the dream would prove that what he was telling was the truth. He asked only to be remembered after his words were proven true. Now, it's obviously one thing to venture an opinion about what a dream might mean. It's entirely another to do what Joseph did here. And that is a request that was contingent upon the outcome of his interpretation. Now, at this point, the chief baker was also encouraged to tell his dream in verses 16 and 17. He dreamed that he was carrying three baskets on his head and that the topmost basket contained baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating from the basket. It's not going to have quite as good an outcome as <coughs> the cupbearers. Joseph, Joseph explains that dream in verses 18 and 19 saying that within three days, <coughs> Pharaoh would remove him from prison as well. However, when he re removed him from the prison, he would behead him. He would hang his body on a tree where the birds would eat away his flesh. Now, wouldn't you love to hear that as the interpretation of your dream? It's important to remember that this passage is less about dreams, though, than it is about God's timing. Exactly what Joseph predicted happens. So let's see how all of that affects Joseph. Third and final thing tonight, Joseph chose to trust God regardless of the circumstances. Verse 21. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him, and yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. What a disappointment. Talk about disappointments. Instead of being remembered and rewarded and freed, he was forgotten. The next two years must have been pretty difficult. It must have been some of the darkest days in Joseph's life. The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We're told the reason the baker did not keep his promise was simply he did not remember Joseph but forgot him. After waiting patiently for a number of years for just this kind of opportunity, Joseph's hopes are once again cruelly crushed. The truth is, the fact is, that everyone in this world will let you down at some point in time, me included. No matter how good that person is or how hard that person tries, they will eventually let you down. A vast number of our troubles in this world come from placing our trust in someone or something other than God. As disappointing as it was to be forgotten, unknown to Joseph, another even better opportunity is coming. It will be another two years, but it was coming, and it would be worth the wait. That's why the Christian should not fret at the 
loss of a job, a flat tire, an unexpected illness, or whatever. God is God. And the promise of Romans 8.28 is that He is working together for good for those who love Him. Sometimes we feel like Joseph, and it may be that we've been waiting for more than two years. We're not in a literal prison, but we can be trapped by unpleasant realities of life, such as circumstances over which we have no control and from which we cannot remove ourselves. But we need to remember our circumstances are never only what they appear to be on the surface. We do not know what miraculous events God may be orchestrating through our situation. Our responsibility is to trust Him in spite of appearances. How did Joseph manage to his, maintain his trust and, his, and not become embittered? What was his secret? Truth is, there was no secret. There's no magic formula. There's no 12-step program to trusting God. It's simply something we choose to do every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for each one that's here tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness, and I pray that you bless them for that faithfulness. I pray that something that we've shared tonight may be an encouragement to them. Some of them may be, indeed, going through difficult times in their lives. Times that test their souls. But those are the times that you teach us. Those are the times that you mature us. Those are the times that cause us to be a reflection of your image. Help us, Lord. We don't desire those things. We don't like hard times. We don't like difficult times. But help us when those times come to continue to place our trust in you, to trust in you that you're working out things in our lives that can be accomplished no other way, that there is even purpose in our pain. Father, we're going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with me, please. We're going to have a hymn invitation. Brother Dan is going to be here. Maybe you have a decision that you need to make tonight. We're not going to have a long invitation, but I don't want to end the service without an opportunity for you to respond. God spoke in your heart. Maybe you just need to come to these altars. Maybe you need to make a decision about accepting the Lord or serving the Lord or church membership. Whatever it is, I'll give you an opportunity right now while we sing. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, thou art the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me after thy way.
Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence, humbly I bow. Go ahead and be seated, ushers, you come if you would, and let me remind you of the prayer request from this morning. Jerry Weaver was scheduled to have surgery this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Anybody heard anything about that? Doing well? Okay. Uh, Amanda got home from the hospital this afternoon, was released, so we're glad for that. It seemed to be a blockage. and uh, Never like to have a blockage, but better than some of the other choices one might have. So we're glad that she's home. Uh, don't forget... Brother Steve Ashcraft, he'll be having a five-way bypass in the morning at the Heart Hospital uh, at 10 o'clock. So if you'd be in prayer for him. Also, don't, uh, don't forget about Brother Fred Burbridge and his recovery from his stroke. He's still at uh, Baptist Rehab. Got a long ways to go. Certainly needs your prayer and your encouragement. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and each one that's here tonight. We do uh, ask that you'd be with Jerry tonight and pray that you would uh, watch over her. And Thank you, Lord, for the su successful surgery. Thank you for Amanda coming home today. That's an encouragement to our hearts. I know it, it means a lot to her parents this evening. We, we thank you for that blessing. We do think about Steve as he faces surgery tomorrow. Lord, we pray for a successful surgery. Pray that you would give uh, Steve peace about the procedure and we pray that you bless the physicians give them great skill and pray that the surgery go well and will alleviate his problems we pray you be with Fred as he continues to uh, recover from his stroke we pray for the miraculous in his life we pray that he begin to see remarkable improvement in his uh, recovery we'd like to be able to just look and say that's, that's you God we want to give you the credit. Thank you for watching over us and loving us and caring for us. Ask for your blessing on this offering. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers are taking the offering this evening, I hope that you've taken the opportunity to pick up a bulletin. It will give you the better sense of what's going on and what the things that are Schedule. We have a bridal shower that's uh, scheduled for the 12th for uh, the honor of Virginia Pratt. And you're invited to that March the 17th at 3 o'clock here at the church. Also, it's uh, time to register for Secret Church. Secret Church uh, is coming up pretty soon. The event will take place on Good Friday, April the 6th from 5.30 to 12.30 a.m. The cost is just $10 per person and that both the food and the books and I encourage you to think that that's a great thing for you if you'd like to be a part of that also uh, for those of you that have not yet picked them up your 211 contributions are uh, contribution statements are ready they're in the back uh, at the desk in a box and they're arranged by alphabetical order and you can pick those up after service this evening 
Again, thank you so much for being here, and you're dismissed. <coughs> oh. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Allie Loudon uh, came up to me about a week and a half ago and said that she'd like to get baptized. And so tonight she has come forward uh, for church membership and baptism. And uh, for everybody that's glad that she's done that and uh, obedience to the Lord, say amen. All right, good. She says, you be sure to come on up here, uh, give her right hand of fellowship, give her a hug, and uh, welcome in her into our church officially, although she's been here for quite some time. I just asked her if she'd been a member of church anywhere else. She goes, here? Yeah. So, okay, let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, for uh, Allie and others uh, who are uh, taking the step of obedience to be baptized and be a part of a local church. We ask you to continue to help them uh, to grow spiritually and give us a, a good week as we serve you and desire to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.